ever wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. Have you only thought about pain in childbirth? Our culture is just full of fear, fear of pain, and talking about pain. If you've been listening to our podcasts, we've had guests talking about the language of birth, talking about pleasure. I've talked about the importance of knowing our family history and our family story. But today, I'm ready to talk to you about movement, comfort, and pleasure, and how you can find it in labor and birth. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast and director of the documentary Orgasmic Birth. If you've been listening along with us, you know that we're busting a lot of myths and opening up a lot of ways that you can experience birth in completely different and yes, orgasmic ways. So today I'm going to take you even deeper. And if you're enjoying our podcast and you want more, know that we offer an online childbirth class called Pleasurable Birth Essentials. Jump over to orgasmicbirth.com, click on for parents, and there's a lot of classes there. Or if you're a doula or a birth keeper who wants to learn more, I do a lot of classes for doulas and advanced workshops. If you go to orgasmicbirth.com and click on for doulas. So today, if you're listening and you want to see more, jump over to our YouTube channel as I'm going to be demoing a few things. I'll be explaining them. But if you want to see what I'm doing, follow us on YouTube as well. So when we think about pain in childbirth, we think that that's all just what labor offers. And I have to share with you that when people join me in workshops a lot, I like to show historical historical pictures of birth. And if you get a chance to look back at birth images, when birth was always at home, you will always see kind of some key elements. The birthing person, the woman is upright. They're often moving when it's time to give birth. They're kneeling, leaning, squatting, using ropes, using poles, always finding a way to use gravity. The other thing that you're going to see in birth art is people are surrounded by loved ones. There's someone there really supporting them, nurturing them, as well as a midwife, a birth keeper in front that's catching or receiving the baby. And I totally love, I was speaking about orgasmic birth in Japan at one time, and this wonderful anthropologist said she had been waiting for me and was all excited to give me this picture, a 13th century picture of birth in Japan. And I have to say, I was so ecstatic to see it. 
first of all, the birthing person, like normal, right? The woman is kneeling and leaning forward and using kind of a stick or a stake or something that's holding her up. But in the room, there's someone off to the left that's just looks like singing or chanting, but not quietly, mouth wide open, body extended. And then on the other kind of part of the circle, there's someone dancing. And again, not just a gentle sway, but an ecstatic dance, kind of arms and legs moving up in the air. There is a midwife getting ready to catch the baby. And the birthing woman has this joyful, blissful smile on her face. It looks like some elder, maybe it's the soon-to-be grandmother who's really there holding space in prayer, the sacredness of birth. And there's someone just outside of the space that again looks like they're doing some ceremony or ritual. And what I love about it is you can see so many elements in this one image. And when we think about birth in hospital, what do we think of, right? We think of sterile. We've truly sterilized and sanitized birth. And we've taken the joy out of it. We've kind of taken away song, dance, sacredness, ritual, ceremony. And yet if we look back in time, these were essential elements to birth. And I want to say that by sterilizing birth, by making it a medical model rather than a social model, we certainly have had benefits. And there are times that we've saved lives. But like an article that's really important that I love in The Lancet says, too little, too late, or too much, too soon, both can cause issues. And I want to honor their parts of the world and people who do not have access to medical care. And too little, too late can actually cause people to put themselves and their babies at risk. But for those that live where access to care is available, it is too much too soon. It's our overuse of valuable medical techniques and technology that can literally put people down and actually cause more pain. So let me start at the beginning. When birth was at home, as I shared, people were upright and moving and there was all these other elements and people knew how to provide comfort, right? If you think about it, if all birth happened at home and you are a child that has younger siblings, you would have been at those births and that would have been a different experience for you. You would have seen siblings come into the world and people providing care to your mother, maybe dance and song and touch and movement and other ways of comfort. So think about if you had younger cousins, if your parents have friends that have younger children, years ago, people came together to bring these elements and offer care, comfort, and celebration. So these are the first few generations that birth was taken from home to hospital, and we've lost traditions, we've lost the knowledge, we've lost the circle of support that is essential to keep birth comfortable and safe. And then when we moved into hospital, think of a typical hospital room. Can you picture it? Can you name 10 things there for comfort? And, you know, people say in my workshops all the time, the pillow. Well, if you're thinking of that, oh my goodness, it's the worst pillow of your life. It's flat and hard. I tell everybody, bring your own pillow. This pillow really sucks. 
And then what else? The bed is often the focal point, the center of the room. But I want you to think of like birthing centers, like this picture from Japan, which was home. But I work at many birth centers around the world and even hospitals that are changing. So their birthing space is active space, free space. We know if the room you're in looks like a sick room, you're going to have worse outcomes. That's documented in science. But if you're in a room that feels like home, that creates active space, that actually encourages just by walking in and looking movement, birth is going to feel different because you're going to act different. So tag me on Instagram at orgasmic birth. I'd love to hear your 10 things for comfort in the hospital room near you. And if you're lucky enough to live somewhere in the world where they are all those, I really want to hear because I love traveling around and seeing rooms where the bed's not in the center where we can put down a big foam mattress if we want in the middle of the room, where there are ropes and ladders and a tub and access to a shower and a birth ball and a peanut ball and a cub and maybe a rebozo. There's so many things. So why does this matter? Well, just physiology of that laboring and birthing body makes a difference. And this is where I'm going to show those that are watching the visual. But if you're listening, think about the anatomy of the pelvis. And I want you to know that the top of a human pelvis is widest left to right. And the bottom or the outlet is widest front to back. So when a baby is laboring, they need to enter the pelvis with their widest diameter, the front to the back of their head, in the top or the outlet sideways so that they can get into the pelvis at the top. So their head is across the pelvis. And then as labor progresses and they put more pressure on the cervix, and the pelvic floor, they're also rotating and turning at, so that they can bring the back of their head and the back of their body to the front of that mama's belly. And then they're at the widest diameter of the outlet. Their head is front to back and the widest diameter of the outlet is front to back. And now they can emerge. That sounds simple, right? But it's a quarter turn. Many other animals don't have to do this turning because they have a smaller head. And when we started walking upright and the pelvis has this different diameter at the top to the bottom, our babies have to learn to navigate it. Now, sounds simple and you know it, it is, we're designed to do it. Birth works, birth is magical, right? But think about it. The heaviest part of the baby is the back of their head and their back. So once we get that head into the pelvis, we need that back to turn forward. So the back is in the front part of the belly. Well, if we lean forward, gravity is going to pull the heaviest part around. But if we lean back, gravity now is pulling the back toward the mother's back and the body has to work harder to turn that back forward. And whenever the body is going to work harder, we're going to feel that as pain. So the more you want to lean back, the more pain you'll have. 
the more you want to lean forward, the more gravity will do some of the work, the more comfort you will have. So think about when you watch images of birth, where are birthing people? They're often brought into hospital and they get in the bed because it's the center of the room. And even though the back might be up slightly, they're still leaning back a bit. So the first tip in finding some comfort in labor is to find positions that help you lean forward. And another tip in that is that your knees are lower than your hips. So wherever you're sitting, if you are sitting while you're listening, really pay attention. Where are your knees to your hips? And most people, we sit on furniture today that leans back and that brings our knees higher than our hips. If you cross your legs, you're tipping your knees higher than your hips. I'm actually, if you see me, I'm bouncing on a birth ball and I love balls, but ball size does matter. I'm sorry to say you want to get a ball that is just high enough that your knees are just slightly lower than your hips. And this is great for pregnancy. When you're sitting on a chair, scooch a little bit forward and drop your knees a little bit. Because when those knees drop a little bit, the pelvis just drops that little bit forward. And that's going to help that baby to get into it. When you sit back, and if you notice like, furniture, if you see my couch behind me, right? So much of our furniture today has a backward lean. So when you're pregnant and you just kind of, it's nice to get cozy and lean back, but that's not really great for getting your baby in the best position. And, you know, we all get bad habits, not only for us, but if we lean back a lot of our pregnancy, our baby gets used to leaning back with us so that their back is coming to our back. And when babies start labor and the back of their head is in the back half of the pelvis, we call this a posterior labor. And often that's a longer, harder labor. Not always, but it can be. So it's really nice in pregnancy to invite babies to get head down and start turning a little bit, getting used to coming forward so that they're going to have the easiest path to birth. And I always like to say we invite babies. If you already have a child or a niece or a nephew or you know people with children, you know that children have their own mind. And so we invite them. We're, you know, that birthing person, you're 50% of the equation. The other 50% is the baby. So never feel guilty. If you've been sitting with great posture, back up straight, knees slightly lower than hips all pregnancy, doing prenatal yoga, and in labor, you're leaning forward in all different ways, and your baby takes the scenic route, that's their personality. Or sometimes babies know that's the safest route. There may be a reason, a cord or something. Babies will always go towards safety. So don't feel guilty. But lean forward is one of my really easy tips and making sure that you have a birth ball to sit on in pregnancy and to take to the hospital. Now, many hospitals have balls, but sometimes they don't have enough and you don't want to run the risk that you get there and the ball is being used in another room. And also I said, size matters. So you want to make sure that you're getting the right size. If you're an average height, usually 
26 inch ball is used by most people and you can either pump it higher and fuller or a little bit softer. But if you're shorter than 5'2", you might wanna go down a size. And if you're taller than 5'8 or 5'9", you might wanna go up a size. So definitely kind of consider the balls, get a ball in pregnancy so you're comfortable sitting and moving on it. The other thing I like of the ball and my mentor Penny Simpkin taught me this years ago is that in labor, a great way to find comfort is to find three R's. And so the first R is relaxation, right? The more you relax, use your breath to really bring white healing lighter relaxation or peace, find what for you, it breathing in and bringing peace, calm, strength into your body and exhaling away anything that you need to release. So find relaxation with your breath or with other ways. The second R is rhythm. And that's where I love the balls to kind of bounce and circle and find rhythms or put on some good music and dance. Great way if you haven't been dancing in a while to dance with your partners and dads and partners that are listening. It's wonderful if you kind of DJ the birth. Music is a great comfort. And I always say at least have five set lists. Get that set list that's kind of that meditative, relaxing, zen. Maybe it's just the rainforest. Maybe it's a certain genre. Maybe it's a certain artist. Then have a set list that's kind of that sexy slow. Maybe you'll even slow dance together because if you listen to some of our podcasts earlier, right, Dr. Sarah Buckley did two podcasts all about the hormones and that the hormones of birth are very similar to the hormones of intimacy, sex, and orgasm. So getting that kind of sexy on, finding love, maybe it's words of love, whispering in your partner's ear, but sometimes there's certain songs that are just filled with love love, have those ready to play at different times. Then I always say, get that set list. That's dance that baby into the world. Let's really shake and wiggle and get that baby moving. You know, if you had a tight ring on your finger and you needed to get it off, a lot of times you can't pull it straight off. You actually have to wiggle and wiggle and wiggle, and then it comes off. And so the seeing in the pictures throughout history of people dancing, or if you've heard of belly dancing, belly dancing was preparation for birth, making those big hip circles, spiraling, wiggling, jiggling. And so this is important that we start bringing back movement. Stephanie Larson does this great program, Dancing for Birth. And I saw her with some data lately that like 77% of the people that dance their baby into the world do it without any medication. And that's not because they're any stronger than anyone else. It's just that when we move, when we put on the music we love, 
when we change the environment, the birth ambiance, the lighting, the sounds, the smells, the taste, the touch, and we change it up, we change the language of birth, we're sensitive to the hormones, to having privacy and safety and being unobserved, as Sarah Buckley said, then everything is different. This image of sterile and still and just laying in a bed is what creates so much of the pain and the long labors. And amazingly, we've known for more than a hundred years that when you lay on your back, the heavy uterus with the baby in it and the water and the placenta actually presses on the major vein and artery that are providing the circulation both to the placenta, that's the baby's life support and oxygen, and to that birthing person's lower extremities. So we've known for a long time, you shouldn't lay on your back. It can actually cause distress to the baby. And yet we tell people when they're pregnant, don't sleep on your back. And then we bring them into hospitals and put them on their back. So none of what we're doing totally makes sense. And it's time to really change it. So I want you to really think about creating your sensuality, your birth ambiance, those set lists. So again, let me give you, I gave you three set lists so far, right? And then I get so excited. So once you've got your dance your baby into the world set list, then I love to have a set list of songs that you want to push to. When you get the energy to push, it's a very different energy. I've had people want like African drums or things upbeat to kind of get them really into the energy of that push and ease your baby into the world. And my last one is what would you like your baby born to? Pick a song, maybe write a song, have a song, sing your baby into the world. I work a lot with midwife Robin Lim in Bali, Indonesia. We teach Eat, Pray, Doula retreats together every year, both for new doulas and for advanced, for midwives, doctors, doulas to refresh and expand their own skills. And while we're there, I love seeing births with Robin because she sings every baby into the world. She asks people what their song is and everyone needs to know it. And when that we start seeing that little bit of the baby's head and they're opening and opening to birth, everyone sings that baby into the world. Now, if you're not a singer, find this song. I've had people find a song and find every person that covered that song and put it on and just played it. So the baby would always know the song they are born to. And I think it's just so nice if we realize that bringing music back in just changes that whole environment, right? Bringing movement and dancing changes that whole environment. Thinking of words of love, how will you love yourself, love your baby partners? How will you love them both through labor? That's your role. And of course, don't forget those oxytocin enhancers. What are the ways that you're going to help your oxytocin flow? And we've been hearing through the podcast, right? That that can be kissing, touching, words, movement, and it can be nipple stimulation, masturbation, vibration. 
There are so many ways to get oxytocin going. But let me share a couple more tools with you so that you're considering not only the round balls, but I love peanut balls and they're just like they sound. So grab mine here for those of you that are looking. So this is my peanut ball. I put it in a case and I love carrying cases because then I can be hands-free when I'm at the birth. But this peanut ball is awesome. And you can just, when you're resting, you can put the peanut ball between your legs. You can put it to the side of you. And that's really great too, because sometimes you'll lean over the round ball, put the peanut ball out to the side, and we always say, put up the leg that's the side of the baby's back. A lot of times people in labor are laboring what I call symmetrical. Their hips are even. And for some babies, they have plenty of room. And they'll, if you lean forward, whether it's kneeling or lean, standing and leaning forward or putting a ball up on top of your bed and resting over it or slow dancing and with your arms around your partner and leaning forward, there's so many ways to lean forward. But we want to always alternate rest and activity. And sometimes just kneeling over the ball is great. But some babies need a little more room. And so if you think again, back to the pelvis, if your baby's back is entering and their back of their head and their back is to the left of the pelvis and they're a big baby and they need a little extra room, they're gonna love it if you make some room where the back of their head is. And that's getting asymmetrical. We often call it lunging, putting one leg up on a chair or putting you know, the right knee down and the left leg up. So we're getting asymmetrical and we can rock or lunge out over the leg that's the side of the baby's back and that's going to be opening the space where the baby's back is. But sometimes we need more rest and we just want to lean over a ball. If we set a peanut ball next to us and we just put that leg up, uh, so if the baby's on the left, it would be the left leg that would go up on that peanut ball. We get in this position and a lot of people call this fire hydrant. And that might give you a little insight into what it looks like when you're looking from behind. So it's the right knee is down on the floor and the left knee is rested on the peanut ball. So peanut balls help make more space in the pelvis. So even if we're laying on our side and we put the peanut ball between our legs, our legs have a big ball between it, which is really nice as opposed to that flimsy little hospital pillow, which if you put that between your legs, you're not giving your baby much room to open. A big peanut ball between your legs is really giving a lot of space to open up. Now, I do a lot of workshops and we use CUBS, which stands for comfortable upright birth. It looks like a big kind of horseshoe. I'll hold that up for a second. I love this. I find a lot of my clients love the CUB. It's the same material of the birth ball, but it actually is in this U shape. 
And so it has this space where you can actually rest your belly in it and lean over it and just rest. It feels so good. And there's also, if you come to my workshops, I teach lots of ways to use all these things. But the key about labor is to keep moving, to alternate activity with rest and keep in mind that that baby's back is rotating forward. So whether you're leaning forward or laying on your side, you wanna be mindful that you're always thinking about getting that back to rotate forward. Now, in between sensations, it's time to really rest. And I'm talking about first stage of labor today. I'll do another class with you on the second stage of labor. But in this phase where we're dilating and opening to birth, it's really important we rest and active, rest and active, but even how we rest matters. So resting with that ball between your legs makes all the difference. And having someone there that during the sensation is able to hold your hand, able to give you counter pressure on your back able to dance and support you. There are so many techniques. I do doula workshops and we do a whole day of all different comfort measures that you can use and add. So when someone's laboring, you have all these extra tips and tricks. So I would say if you're listening and you're pregnant or you're a partner, definitely find a doula in your community that's taken a good doula training because they'll be able to teach you even more tips or join me in our pleasurable birth essentials. And I'd be happy to guide you more on all of them. But I also want to remind you that there's a simple one that often just holding a hand, right? Looking in someone's eyes, giving them words of love, of comfort. I'm here for you and telling them they're beautiful. That you're strong. You've got this. You're doing it. We need words of encouragement as well. Really knowing that people believe in us, trust us and trust birth. But my last tip for you on comfort of actual techniques is hold a hand. And when you hold a hand, some of you may know this. If you've ever had a headache, and you know that there's an acupressure point called HOKU, H-O-K-U, or if you've had pain somewhere in the body and someone has done this to you, it's a great technique for bringing pain down and out. It also is great if you're constipated. So little warning, if you are, this will get things moving. But in labor, it's actually slightly an induction technique. So we never touch it to a person is really 40 weeks or in early labor. But in labor, it'll help the sensation stay rhythmic and keep building. It'll help with oxytocin because we're holding hands but it'll also really take the pain away. So you want to kind of take your pointer and your thumb finger and you want to put them together and you actually follow like there's a crease between them. Follow the line up to the highest point. You should see like a high bump where the crease ends. Put your other thumb on top of that bump 
and open your hand and take the other fingers and put it underneath. So you're basically really squeezing up into the muscle. If you're only in the flesh, you're not in the right point. You want to be just below where the bones meet between the thumb and the pointer. Some people feel it a little bit more toward the pointer. I actually feel it a little bit more toward my thumb thumb. So we're all a little different, but when you find the point and you really squeeze it, it should feel a little bit tender and you know, you're in the right place. And this is the point that I have to say as a doula, so many people love it when they're getting a sensation. And because I'm doing it to myself, I can only do one today. But if I'm doing it to someone in labor, I crisscross my hands and welcome both their hands in and I squeeze both their hands and hold it strong and steady for that whole sensation, usually about a minute. When the sensation's over, we can relax. And in between, if they like, and we have hand lotion, we massage their hands. And that's the time to plant those seeds of how amazing they are. During sensations, when people are doing their three R's, that relaxation, rhythm and ritual. They like touch that's solid, you know, holding the hand. It's solid. It's holding the whole time. If you're pressing on the lower back, it's pressing. If you're even holding the shoulders, it's holding. It's like saying, I've got you. I'm here for you. That's the kind of touch people usually like during. But in between is where you might want to rub like my shoulders and rub there. Or can you rub my feet? Or, you know, can you just be quiet and leave me alone? Because I need to just go inside and rest for these four to five minutes to the next one comes. So it's really important if you're the partner that you're paying attention to those rhythms. If you're the laboring one, then definitely play around with those three R's. What are the affirmations you might want to use when you're getting a sensation? Do you have a visualization? Will you bring prayer? There are just so many ways to reclaim birth, to create the ambiance, to create movement, to create new rituals for yourself, new ways of honoring your culture. Maybe looking back, were there traditional songs from the country or the community where you were born? Do you have access to some of that? So I hope I planted some seeds for you today that there are many ways to approach birth, to bring a lot of comfort to it. And a lot of the images today of people laying in a bed in a sterile room, yes, that is painful. And I think we have to change it up. We need to create home birth in any setting, in having birthing spaces that are open, that are free space. And yes, we still want a bed. We want to be able to rest just not on our back. We want to be on our side. We want to have peanut balls. We want to have balls and we want to make labor a little bit more fun and bring a little bit more sexy, loving, sacred energy to birth. So I hope you enjoyed these tips today. I look forward to hearing your comments over at Instagram at orgasmic birth. Take some pictures. What was your favorite birth? 
position if you labored um, or if you're a doula or a birth keeper, tag us with your positions that you love and let's keep sharing. Next time I'll come to you and share more about second stage. So thank you for enjoying our orgasmic birth podcast today and I wish you pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe. Thank you.